Nelson spent 25 years on the PGA Tour and is a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Now he provides his unique perspective as a golfer and network broadcaster. It's time to go on the range with Jay Delsing. On the Range is brought to you by Pro-Am Golf. Good morning. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I am Jay Delsing. I'm sitting right next to John Perlis. Perly, good morning. Good morning, Jay. Loving it. Let's let's get this one rolling again. Yeah, this is, um, well, we format um, each show like a round of golf, and the first segment is called the On the Range segment. It's brought to you by Pro-Am Golf. Um, check out our social media outlets. Twitter is at Jay Delsing. Facebook is Golf with Jay Delsing, and Jay Delsing Golf LinkedIn is Jay Delsing, and um, we won't tell you what our Instagram is. Um want to thank Donahue Painting and Refinishing for sponsoring the show. Great people. When I was playing, Bob Rotelli used to say, what do you see in, in this shot? I'm like, well, here's what I see. And he said, paint that with your with your club. And these guys, whatever image you have for your home, whether it's staircase, front door, your entire home, call Bob and Kathy. They'll make it beautiful. All right, Pearl, today's show, one of my favorite interviews, uh, one of my favorite people to interview, Ted Scott. He's been with Bubba Watson for years and years now, and just a great guy to follow on social media, just a really fun guy. Uh, so we've got a pretty lengthy interview with him coming up. But um, I want to mention my friends um, that are doing the St. Louis Junior Invitational. It was initially scheduled for, um, I think it was in, uh, in May, and it's been rescheduled for, to July 30th and 31st. Go to STL Golf. JR.com. They're looking for 72 boys and girls, ages 14 to 18. And my buddy Bob Phillips, who is also a USGA um, a member, has what he calls the Shining Light Player Scholarship. So those are available for the, for the uh, families out there that may not be able to afford to travel. Hopefully, you know, all the, all the, um, Stuff we're dealing with, societal stuff we're dealing with, will be uh, laid down enough to to get folks in from all sorts of different places. I think last year they had some young uh, uh, boys and girls in from seven or eight different states, and they're looking to grow it more this year. What fond memories we had of playing some junior golf events and things like that. When I look at that age, 14 to 18, I just think of all the times it was so much fun. Uh, to be able to go out there and play, you know, kind of kind of a combination. The first time I started traveling, you know, 16, 17 years old, we started getting having the driver's license and moving around. What a great time, and hopefully parents can make it happen for these kids. Yeah, they're also doing a GoFundMe page for certain folks that, you know, you have a need. What they're trying to do, you guys, is to make sure you have an opportunity to play. You don't have the money, we want to get you there. Um, also want to tell you, our friends, Kurt Rowey, Tom O'Toole Jr., we all know that name, and he's got to. I got to get him on the show. Um, they uh, uh, Kurt runs the Metro, uh, the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association here in St. Louis, along with the folks at Beyond Housing, have opened up Normandy Golf Course again, folks. So make sure you get a chance. You're looking for a um, uh, oh gosh, hell, meet you've played it before. It's it's almost iconic, uh, Normandy. I, I don't think it'll be in super great shape, right. but it's. Worth playing. Worth playing. Yeah, it's a, a really trip fun down, course. And a trip down memory lane. Yeah. A lot of good, a lot of short holes that are fun. A lot of long holes. That that eighteenth hole is a bear. Did they play a major on that as well back in the day. I don't think they did it no? at Normandy, but they played a lot of. I played the St. Louis Open there as a. I remember playing the St. Louis Open as an amateur, at, from UCLA, and I played with Jim Thorpe's brother, uh, Chuck, and I. That's a major. That was it. Was it was a major something? There was a lot of major somethings going on that day. Yeah, so Normandy's referred to as a rock. Um, last week we had Jay Randolph Sr. on. Jay Randolph Jr. just loves Normandy, is a huge supporter of golf in St. Louis. They have a show at, at KTRS, and just a great family, great supporters of the game. And so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give a little shout-out that Normandy was uh, was open. And um, we got to take care of our uh, our public school, our public, our public school, our public uh, golf course players. I mean, that's the way I grew up. Um we're pu- I'm putting together a program for some of the um, public golf courses where I can maybe get out there and do a segment out there, interview the pro. I love that. Do something like that. So uh, I'm, I'm, that's in the works. I don't know, Pearl. I uh, When I think about the way that I grew up and got to grow up on a public golf course, I think I wouldn't have changed a thing. 
I think that it made me, I had no idea how lousy the golf course was that I grew up on until I got to some of these other cool mm-hmm. places. When I started caddying at Norwood and I saw trees and sand traps, you know, and the greens were so perfect to putt on. I was like, man, this is the coolest, <laughs> greatest course I've ever, you know, played. And then, you know, Norwood had the East Course, which is where we caddies used to get to play. And then I, I get to, you know, sneak on on the West Course every now and again. Man, that was a treat. Well, I got to play some of the country clubs. I actually learned uh, to play and played some up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, but I caddied a whole bunch, and then I get to get to play as well. So, I have to say, I go back now to Arizona, and I play some of the public tracks uh, early in the morning with uh, with a couple of buddies. They're fun. It's a different atmosphere, and it's a different group of, of good guys. Yep. And with the right attitude, you're playing golf, baby. You're outside. You're whacking a golf ball. I, I, it's nice to play a really nice golf course, but it's nice to just be out there, and there's plenty of great public facilities. Yeah, so I'm putting together a program for some of these public courses, so um, stay tuned for that. You know what? That's going to wrap up the On the Range segment. We're going to keep it a little shorter this this morning. We've got a lot of Ted Scott coming. I want you great guys stories. Yeah, great stories. to listen to Ted, and, uh, uh, and I think you'll enjoy it. Um, this is Golf with Jay Delson. Come back, and we will be on the front nine. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring professional golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at beautiful Norwood Hills Country Club. Legends like Ernie Els, Fred Couples, Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker, and many more will be in St. Louis. For tickets and sponsorship information, head to ascensioncharityclassic.com. That's ascensioncharityclassic.com. Are you tired of forking out the big money, all those dollars on golf balls? Well, we finally have an option for you. Let us introduce you to Sniper Brand Golf Balls. This brand new product is a Serlin-covered ball that is just great to play. It's long off the driver, it's accurate with the irons, and importantly, it's soft around the green. And you know what the best part is? It's just $23.99 for a dozen. That's right, $23.99, and a portion of every sale goes back to a military or law enforcement agency. Find Sniper Brand online at thesniperbrand.com. Plus, you can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and check out their entire line of golf products on their website, thesniperbrand.com. And don't forget to check out the Sniper Brand logo. You're going to love it. I want to give a huge shout-out and thank you to Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing, again for the second year. When you join out at Whitmore, there's 90 holes of golf. You get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardine, and the Golf Club of Wentzville, and the cart fees are already included in your membership. There's no food and beverage minimums. There's no assessments. They have a 24-hour fitness center, large pool complex, tennis, and they've just got great family-oriented stuff. And if you get over there, you got to go in the golf shop and you have to say hello to my friend Bummer. Bummer is just a delightful guy that would love to help you and your family with your golf game. He and his staff out there run golf leagues, skins games, members tournaments, couples events are available all year long. If your family is looking for a place where you can hang out, have fun, enjoy good food, golf, sports, just a family-friendly atmosphere, you got to go to Whitmore Country Club. You can reach them at 636-926-9622. We're all experiencing very trying times right now, but hopefully we can reflect a little bit on the things that matter the most to us, like family and community. At St. Louis Bank, we want to wish you and your family safety and good health. We're a part of this community, and we are all in this together. In such uncertain financial times, you've probably never needed your bank to step up and support you more. We know, we hear you, and we are here for you. Our banking experts are doing everything they can to help. We're offering a skip-up payment to all consumer accounts for mortgage loans and home equity line of credits. We're offering payment modifications with up to a six-month deferral. Our commercial and SBA loans will be handled on a case-by-case basis to provide the best relief for each unique situation. We understand that communication and speed are essential during this critical time. Get in touch with your commercial banking officer to take advantage of this program. If you'd like to speak with us, you can call 314-851-6200. We are going to move through this hardship, and we're going to do it together. St. Louis Bank, 
Here for you when you need us today and in brighter days ahead. Grab your clubs. We're headed to the front nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The Front Nine is brought to you by the Ascension Charity Golf Classic. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Jay and John are here. We're on the Front Nine, and it's sponsored by the Ascension Charity Classic. Um, man, I can't wait for that uh, that event this September, October. Also, I have to give a shout-out to uh, Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring uh, the show again for the second year. Uh, man, if your family is looking for a place to hang out, you want to get involved in the game, you like tennis, you're, you've got some some kids, there's just uh, – you can't, you can't go wrong out at Whitmore. There's 90 holes of golf. There's uh, access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. No cart fees. Those are all included with the membership. There's no food and beverage minimums. Uh, they got a great 24-hour fitness center, and the pool is just massive. But you got to go in the golf shop. You got to see Bummer. Bummer and I are going to have a little rematch. Bummer took it to me last year on a little home, little home course bring advantage. Bring it on! Bring it on! So we're going to we're going to Norwood hopefully this year and have a little rematch. But um, you got to go see Bummer. He's an assistant pro in the golf shop. He just does a great job. And I promise you, you'll walk in and you'll know who Bummer is. That's For the sure. kind of guy that He's he is. A bigger in life guy. He and the staff are running golf leagues and skins games and member tournaments, couples events all year long. So it's a family-friendly atmosphere, a great staff. Um, So reach out to them at WhitmoreGolf.com, and uh, you won't be be sorry. All right, so we are going to jump uh, right into the Ted Scott interview. Man, longtime friend and um, caddying for Bubba Watson uh, currently. Hey, Ted, thanks for joining me. Yeah, Jay, thanks for having me. As you both know, we have lots of time to talk right now, so this is easy. Yeah, man, what a strange time of life, Ted, hey? Yeah, this is something like I don't think any of us have ever experienced, you know, uh, just a really eerie feeling about this whole deal, you know, uh, what's going to happen. And I think a lot of people are concerned, you know, probably more with the economic impact other than even health. You know, I think a lot of people will be affected that way, so it's Tough times, man, for a lot of people coming up, I believe, and hopefully we'll get through it quicker than than we realize and look back and say, all right, let's move on. Ted, you're one of the more interesting – I mean, there are some great stories on the PGA Tour, not only uh, for the players, but the caddies have some just fantastic perspective on things, and that's kind of what I wanted to do this morning. What do you think, just just because of this coronavirus and all this craziness, what do you, what do you feel like Bub is doing? Is he just logging a bunch of family time? I know that's so important to him. Yeah, you know, Bubba's, uh he's a great family man. You know, he's he's very close to his wife and kids. And, um, you know, he, he always talks about, man, it's hard to leave. You know, in, in recent years, I think when you first get on the tour, and you probably experienced that yourself, you know, you're excited to play and you're kind of, it's kind of all about you, you know, it's your new career, your new job, and you're putting all that energy into it. But it seems like players slowly shift to realizing what's more important, and that's uh, family. But, you know, Bubba's kind of, since I've known him, always put his, his wife and kids first. So that's definitely high on his priority list. And uh, I think, you know, in recent times, it's been even tougher to leave to go play golf tournaments than in the past because his kids are at an age where they're, where they're at that, don't leave, Daddy. You know, that's really hard, man. I know. You've experienced that, and, and it's tough. You know, um, even I have very difficult to leave your family when they don't want you to. So, Ted, my girls came up to me, said, "Dad, we got this great idea. We're going to open up a lemonade stand, so you don't have to go play golf to make money for us." <laughs> That's a genius. Well, that, that must, they sell some good lemonade if they can replace your income <laughs> as a tour player. That's going to be awesome. Well, back then we didn't make what you all make now, but it's still really fun. And I sat them down. I mean, it was just so hard not to laugh and cry at the same time. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that's that's tough. I remember my little girl when she said, "Please don't go to work, Daddy." I mean, I just now leave the airport with teary eyes. You know, just trying to figure out why am I doing this again? You know, but then you you realize that it's it's a great job and um, it's a great way to provide. And you know, fortunately, we do get so much time off in this job that, uh, you know, I'm a little bit used to being home for a week or two at a time, you know, so I think the first few weeks of this uh, will feel normal to me, but then after that it's going to start getting to where I think I'll be like everybody else and wondering, you know, how long is this going to last and what do we do next? 
Yeah, right. So, Ted, you've been caddying for just over 20 years. Talk us through a little bit about the early stages of your career. And I know you were a great player. I also know you were the 1994 World Foosball Champion. you got to tell us a little bit about foosball, man. Yeah, well, you know, I started caddying just to kind of the same way I started playing foosball. I basically, I've had a philosophy since I was young. I don't know if someone called it to me or not, but if you want to get better at something, you find people who are better than you and spend time with them. So, you know, I, I just turned pro to teach golf, and one of my friends gave me some money and said, you should try to play because you're playing really well. And so I was like, okay. So I was practicing real hard uh, my game, and, and the web.com tournament comes through my hometown every year. And, and so I just said, well, let me go out and try to caddy for the week and see what, you know, what I need to work on in my own golf game and see what these guys are really good at. Maybe maybe the pro let me pick his brain, you know, if I get somebody in there. So, you know, that's how I ended up caddying. It was Grant Waite that was driving by in a golf cart with a friend of mine. And, you know, they set me up and, and uh, Grant said, hey, you want to caddy some more? And, you know, I know in those days, I think I, we were paired with you some, you know, on the PGA Tour because he had conditional status that year. And, um, and so anyway, it was just a, kind of a freak accident the way that I got into uh, caddying. And foosball was the same. When I was in uh, college, my uh, my neighbor owned a pool hall, and I would go in there at night and shoot pool and stuff. And every Monday and Thursday, I would hear these people in the back of the room just screaming and hollering, you know, over this game that I had seen played before as a kid. And I was like, you know, wh- why is there so many people back there? What are they doing? And my ADD, I guess, kicked in. Of what, what's going on over there? Well, so I had to go see. <laughs> and uh, when I got there, I was just amazed at the ball control they had and how competitive it looked, and so much fun. So I just. Same, same philosophy. I just said, excuse me, I stopped the gun. So said, who can teach me how to do this? And he said, well, probably the guy that runs the tournament. So I walked over to him. I said, how are you doing? My name's Ted. I want to learn how to do this. It looks fun. What do I need to do to get lessons? And he said, well, play in my tournament every Monday and Thursday. I said, well, how much is that? He said, $5. I said, I'm in. So uh, he was a state champion. And from day one, I had perfect fundamentals. So it'd be almost like a, a great golfer teaching you exactly how to grip it, you know, stand. And you had never seen golf really played like that before. So just had really good fundamentals, and I fell in love with it. You know, I'm kind of like every kind of game, sport, anything hand eye is fun for me, and I can get into it. I've never met a game that I didn't like. Is that one yet? So, uh, so that's how I ended up doing football, and that's how I ended up playing golf at Mid Caddy. I mean, it's just strictly by trying to get better by spending time with people that are better than me. And Ted, how cool was it? You start caddying, you meet Grant Wade. Grant has an unbelievable season. And you guys are going toe to toe with Tiger Woods at Glen Abbey up at the Canadian Open. Yeah, it was really strange. You know, I went from uh, for those that might have heard the story of my first day on the job, we were on the tenth tee and didn't have a yardage book, and to three months <laughs> later standing there with Tiger Woods' greatest season. Um, you know, hitting what many people think is his best shot. You know, he's ever hit um, to beat us by one. You know, and. Grant hit 17 greens in regulation that day. The only one he missed, he was about 12 feet away on the fringe. And, uh, you know, just a strike show between him and Tiger, a battle back and forth. And he made one more putt than us, and that's that's where the end, you know, the one-stroke victory came. But uh, that was just amazing. It was very surreal to stand there, you know, trying to start caddying just to learn something. So three months later, spending time with the greatest player ever beating us was pretty fun. You know, if you can take a loss and enjoy it, I'd say that was a pretty good one. So, Ted, that shot that Tiger hit from the right fairway bunker at 18, was there anybody else on tour at that time you think would have pulled, could have pulled that off? Well, interestingly enough, Grant actually was hitting the exact same irons on the par threes that day. Uh, you know, so, so I think, you know, the power that Grant had, you know how fit he is, and he was super strong. And he was pretty long back then. Um, and I think with adrenaline, you know, he could have, he could have hit that shot. Um, but I think just the fact that, that Tiger was aiming so aggressive possibly is what most of us wouldn't do. I think for me personally, I would have definitely it way left and missed the water. <laughs> just, just oh, oh Ted, for me, that back bunker, I would have been all over that back bunker. <laughs> That's, absolutely. I would have said, let's see if we can get it on the green from that back bunker plugged in the back lift. Yeah, you know, Ted, the, the right but, club's uh, probably a six iron, and I would have probably taken a five. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, when Grant asked me, Grant hit six iron from the middle of the fairway, and, uh, and he's uh, sorry, five iron. He was two twenty back then. He had, he had five iron, and uh, you know when he asked me, I was like, uh, okay. 
you know, but he's just so pumped up in that moment. And, uh, you know, Tiger was about six yards closer at that six iron. So, you know, you know what it's like when you get adrenaline. These guys, you know, they hit it far already. And when they get pumped up and the situation's on the line, you know, you can hit it almost as far as you want. So it's almost distances are irrelevant at times. And that that can't be easy to caddy for. I mean, you're almost, especially with who you've got now, Ted, I've never, ever encountered a player like Bubba Watson. He is so creative and hits some of the, I'm just going to call them wild or craziest shots I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, I definitely have the best ticket in golf, you know. Um, 14 years together, there's not a week that goes by that I just I, I just kind of look at him and just go, man, that's that's freakish, you know. That's just nuts what you just did, you know, and uh, and not to say some other players can't do it. It's just the fact that he does some of that stuff in the middle of the fairway, which doesn't make sense, you know. <laughs> so a lot of fun, a lot of talent, you know, not a not a real big uh, practicer in the sense of normal way of going about it, you know. I mean, Bubba doesn't go to the range, you know, hardly ever. Um, you know, he just he likes to go play golf, and if he goes to the range, typically he'll, he'll end up by the end of 10-minute or 15-minute session getting bored and, take his three iron out and start trying to hit it to the 50 yard flag to the hundred yard flag, 120, 180, the 200 and the 300, you know, he's just hitting all kinds of shots to it because he just likes to play the game and be creative and not, and not try to worry about having, you know, what many would call a perfect looking swing. You know, it's like, Hey, what, what gets the job done? So very unique approach in today's, in today's game. You know, I think it's a little bit different um, today with all the coaching and track man information and flight scope and, you know, the quad, there's so many different things out there that, that people, um, you know, can gather information from and, and 3D analysis and, you know, that you can really get bogged down in the details of a one-second endeavor. You know, if it takes us one second to swing a golf club, there's a lot of stuff, you, a lot of information out there about that one second. But, you know, that just shows you how complex the movements are to create the desired ball flight. And, um, you know, Bubba, just the genius of who he is is he doesn't think about any of that stuff. You know, he just kind of almost Sam Snedish, you know, I think fade and it fades, I think draw and it draws. So it's it's a fun, exciting way to play the game, I'm sure. Something that I've never really done, played golf like that. And uh, But it's even more fun to caddy for someone like that, just knowing that day-to-day he's pretty much going to have his, his A game, you know, physically. It's just all about how he's thinking. Yeah, it's amazing what we can jam into our brains in one second, isn't it, Ted? Oh my goodness! You know, I think for him it's more about uh, the the thought process. Like some of us is more about swing and having a whole bunch of swing thoughts in one second. For him, it's more about you know what's his mind thinking about. You know, as far as physical commitment and things like that. You know, so um, you know we all we all can get where your brain gets racing a little bit too quick. Um, but you know, for him at least, when he's not under pressure, there's never any. Uh, there's never any doubt with the physical skills. And it's, uh, it's fun to watch. And like I said, I mean, I've just seen so many shots over the years that it's just going, okay, I'm not sure how you did that, but you did. So, fun to be right there watching it, you know, in person. Guys, I am sitting here talking to Ted Scott. He is currently getting for Bubba Watson. And Ted, tell, walk us back a little bit to the first couple rounds with Bubba. You had to feel like, what am I doing out here? I be, Am I helping him? How do I help him? And because he plays a game, you know, that no one else does. Yeah, it was really funny. The, the very first day that I ever worked for him, um, you know, he his previous caddy, the only caddy he had had on three years on the uh, web.com, and, and uh, the guy even caddied some on the mini tour show. He basically told that guy, it was a retired, he was a retired um, military man and just kind of wanted to get out and about and so he just kind of carried the clubs and didn't do much and so Bubba that's what he was used to so the first day I ever worked for him he said listen uh, you know, all I need you to do is is carry the clubs and and that's it I don't need you to do anything else so you know for me I was like okay this is going to be different you know not much involved so that that first week was really intriguing because you know I would give him the distance and then see the club he'd pull out and I'm like what is he gonna do with that you know I remember one particular shot in uh, the first week we were playing with Ryan Moore and it was like 214 into a slight breeze um, hole 16 at the Deutsche Bank and they've since changed that hole to a much shorter par three but you know it was over water to a back left pin and Ryan hit like this chippy cut hybrid in there to about six feet. It was a pretty awesome shot. And uh, so, you know, Bubba had the yarders 214. And I want to say it was about, probably about 202 to cover the water. And, 
you know, we're on the left side of the tee over there where the left-handers put the bag down. And he teed his ball up on the left side, and he was only so far left, I thought he might hit me at, at the start. It's like, what's he doing, you know, with this? He pulled out a six-iron. No trees, no air, anything. and hit about a 40-yard hook right next to Ryan's ball. So I was like, that is just strange. You know? <laughs> this is going to be a ride like no other. So, uh, yeah, it's, it was very interesting in the beginning for sure. Hey, Ted, you know when you're on tour, players love hawking clubs off of another guy. Like, I got to see what he hit. I want to see what he hit. Not very many people look at Bubba's bag, do they? Yeah, they don't. I, I would hope they don't look in there to see, you know, for their benefit of, hey, what's he hitting? So maybe I can judge off of that. But I think they do look in there just because they're, they're curious. You know, sometimes it's a six iron from 170, and sometimes it's a six iron from 220. I remember one particular. Uh, week when we were playing in Greensboro we had a we had a par three that was that was 170 and 220 and we had a seven iron on both of them so that was really interesting <laughs> um, on the same nine holes so uh, yeah you just never know man what kind of shot he's going to pull out of his bag well, that's going to wrap up the front nine uh, come back we got more Ted Scott and the back nine Pearlie and I are here it's golf with Jay Delsing the 100,000 watt blowtorch for St. Louis sports, driven by Auto Centers Nissan, home of the 30 day return. WXOS and WXOS HD1 in St. Louis, 101 ESPN. Are you in the market for some new clubs? Maybe a bag and the latest style of sweet new shoes. Is this the year you decide to stop listening to your buddy's advice and get some real golf instruction? If any of these appeal to you, then go to Pro-Am Golf today. Pro-Am Golf has all the latest gear from all the major manufacturers. Call Steve today at 314-781-7775 and schedule a lesson with Tom DeGrand. Tom is the best. He's been in the game for over 50 years, so you take that knowledge along with their state-of-the-art equipment, and boom, your game will get a whole lot better. Visit them at ProAmGolfUSA.com. USA Mortgage is doing it again. Joe Schieser and his staff have lowered rates again this month, and they will waive closing costs if you want to refinance to get cash out, lower your rate, shorten your term, or eliminate that costly, unnecessary mortgage insurance. If you are purchasing a property, they can issue a pre-approval letter within minutes. They are the largest mortgage company in the state of Missouri, and their volume allows them to quote the lowest rates. Don't waste your time with the national online brokers. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and operated right here in St. Louis. Joe Schieser has closed over $500 million in loans in nearly 30 years in the business and over $2 million alone to Delsings. I want to give a huge shout-out and thank you to Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing, again for the second year. When you join out at Whitmore, there's 90 holes of golf. Uh, you get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardine, and the Golf Club of Wentzville. And the cart fees are already included in your membership. There's no food and beverage minimums. There's no assessments. They have a 24-hour fitness center, large pool complex, tennis. Man, they've just got great family-oriented stuff. And in, if you get over there, you got to go in the golf shop, and you have to say hello to my friend Bummer. Bummer is just a delightful guy that would love to help you and your family with your golf game. He and his staff out there run golf leagues, skins games, members tournaments, couples events are available all year long. If your family is looking for a place where you can hang out, have fun, enjoy good food, golf, sports, just a family-friendly atmosphere, you got to go to Whitmore Country Club. You can reach them at 636-926-9622. We're halfway there. It's time for the Back Nine on Golf with Jay Delsing. The Back Nine is brought to you by St. Louis Bank. All right, welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Jay and John are here. And, Pearly, we are going to the back nine, and that is sponsored by St. Louis Bank. Good friends over there working hard with these PPP programs, trying to get some federal money to people. So if you need any help, call St. Louis Bank. Uh, Let's go right back into the uh, conclusion of the interview with Ted Scott. He is Bubba Watson's caddy and one great guy. I just love this interview. I have this company where I take people and do golf you know, hospitality and entertainment with them. And one of my favorite places to take them, Ted, is right on number 10 at Augusta and show them that that shot you hit in a playoff. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of the caddies at Augusta are very frustrated with me. I said, I didn't do anything because now they have to walk an extra 100 yards during their round of golf to take all the guests over there to see that shot because everybody wants to see it. So, uh, so yeah, I get a lot of people frustrated with, with me about that. I was like, man, I, I didn't put him over there to begin with, so <laughs> pretty yeah. funny. But, yeah, it's, it was a spectacular shot and a spectacular moment. You know, I, I've said this in many interviews, and I think this is kind of what makes it a little bit uh, normal for me in the sense that shot is, you know, when Tiger Woods made the eight-foot left-to-right putt to tie Bob May at Valhalla to get into the playoff, you know, for me that was an incredibly impressive shot that Tiger hit because of the situation. It wasn't that impressive in the sense that my daughter doesn't play golf. She's 13, but I, I bet in 10 tries she could make that putt. So we would agree that the skill level to make an eight-foot putt is not necessarily – super difficult you know even for a total beginner and so it's more the situation that just freaks me out how do you do that under that immense pressure and I think for Bubba having seen him so many times hit a big huge hook from the middle of the fairway for me that was just a normal Bubba golf shot it was more the situation that that intrigued me that he was able to to pull that off under all that pressure and I think what else it's kind of both it's kind of like wow you know a beginner has no chance of hitting that shot and the pressure to do it at that time was immense so to pull it off was even more incredible well ted the fact that bubbles left-handed and had a short iron that he can hook because folks we can keep a short iron in the air much better and hook it a, a lot of way you know quite a bit but we cannot hit fades with short irons and keep them in the air and the fact that a right-hander would have been hitting some sort of fade would have just eliminated every single right-hander on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, he's taken me to play golf there a couple times, and, and I was like, I got to go try it, you know. And uh, and for me, trying to slice a seven or a six iron from from there is about near impossible, you know. So, I think um, that's that's kind of the first part of it is you have to have a lot of speed, and like you said, you know, you have to have the, it has to be the right number for the club at hand, you know. And it just it was the perfect storm. The ball was slightly above his feet. The ball was, um, you know, sitting on a, on pine straw that had been walked on, uh, you know, and there was an opening to get out of the woods that was totally great enough for you. That's you never really worried about hitting anything on the way out. So, in a sense, there really wasn't anything in the way um, as far as where the ball was going to fly. It was just a matter of how much are you going to hook it, right? Yeah, just incredible. I could still remember that shot. Ted, is there one thing, there probably can't be one thing, one shot that sticks out in your mind. Is there one thing that you can go back, and it's kind of a two-point question, is there one thing that you remember, maybe it wasn't even with Bubba, maybe it was Zazinger when you are getting for Paul or Olin or the other great players you played with, is there one thing you remember that you go, man, what a great thing I said to him? And then can you walk that back also and go, Oh man, that was the dumbest thing I've ever said. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, oh, boy, I think the latter part would be there's plenty of those stupid <laughs> things to say. You know, I, I kind of have a saying that when when a player is playing phenomenal, you really just you just shut up and watch. You know, I, I don't think that you can really help a guy when he's on fire much, other than just you know believe in him. You know, and, and if he knows you're believing him at that moment, he's going to do well. Um, but when they're not playing well that's when you might have some influence, you know, to maybe dig them out of a hole mentally or see something in their swing that's a little bit like, man, you know, you're, you're not finishing your turn or whatever. Your aim is different than normal your ball position. So, you know, I think as a caddy, you know, when Tiger Woods was playing in 2000, I think, you know, his grandmother could caddy for him. He probably would have won a lot of tournaments because he was just so darn good, you know what I mean? But, um, but I, in a sense, for me, Paul Easinger, when I was caddying for him, when they just started doing – the uh, the sign where it said you know the projected cut, and we were we were at the Deutsche Bank, and Zinger was just a ridiculous chipper. I mean, you know, obviously you know that. And when I worked for him, you know, I helped him a little bit with his putting. He was struggling a little bit when I went to work for him, and uh, he he thought I was a great putter, so he was like, "Man, you know, you putt awesome," but I was like, "Man, you chip awesome," you know. So we were kind of sharing secrets or whatever. And I remember um, we were on the the thirty second hole which is the ninth hole at the Deutsche Bank and uh, the TPC Norton. And he, he pulled, he was TPC Boston, I mean, he pulled his tee shot. It's a dog leg left. And he was trying to, like, draw his tee shot with him in the fader to kind of get a closer iron shot. No one needs to make a birdie to to uh, make the cut. So he pulled his tee shot to the left. And then the next shot, 
he's got a hook, so he hooks his iron up there just short in the fairway, probably five yards, maybe maybe less. I'd say yeah, probably I'd say ten feet of fairway, and then the green, and the pin was kind of on the front. So he, uh, you know, he asked me, he says, "You think I ought to chip this or putt it?" And all I said was, "You know, you don't think about stuff you're saying at the time. It's nothing profound." But I just said, "Well, if it was me, I would putt it, but because it's you." I would chip it, and he goes, perfect, and he pulled his, his sandwich out and chipped it in to make the cut and gave me that hard high five that he tried to give Patrick at the Ryder Cup that they missed so many times, and, uh, and he said, man, that was the best conversation ever, you know, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you just say something, and you don't know what, how they're going to take it or how it's going to work out, but in that particular moment, I remember him, you know, just, just kind of freaking out, and then uh, and then one other really cool thing that happened to me in that sense was uh, when Paul Tesori's uh, son Isaiah was being born. He wanted to be home, so Webb Simpson asked me if I would caddy for him uh, at Maui, and um, and it was really cool because there was one particular putt that Webb had uh, on Sunday, and he was in contention to win. And we read it. He got in there. He backed away, and he said, "Come here for a second. And he, you know, he just kind of doubted himself. And I don't even remember what I said to him, but uh, but he went in back in there after I talked to him. He made the putt and. It was really cool. He sent me an email saying, man, that, that putt really kind of put me, you know, in a great frame of mind because of what you said, you know. So words are important, you know, and uh, and many times, you know, I mean, I, I kind of forget these, so forgive me for not knowing, but I say many times I've said stuff and thought, why did I say that? And then, you know, after you say it, you know, your pros like, you know, please don't say that or whatever. So I think it's easier <laughs> to mess people up than it is to help them, you know, because like I said, when they're playing well, you almost just need to shut up, you know, when they're not playing well, um, you know, they, they can kind of need some help and they're, they're tense and stuff. So, you know, words are important and you have to learn what words trigger your guy to play well and what words, you know, don't, don't really do so well. Uh, one final thought would be when I worked for Paul Azinger the first day, I was like, get down the bike, you know, he's like, don't ever talk to my ball again, you know, cause that bothers him. And then with Bubba, I can say, get down, bite, and he's okay with it. So, you know, you guys are all unique. And, and, I'll and, say uh, we're unique. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, you have to find that relationship that works and, and makes things the best out of you, you know? Yeah. You know, Ted, what's interesting is not even what you say sometimes, it's how you say it. You need to be convicted with what you're saying. Yeah, it's true. You know, I mean, that's, I think, you know, you look at a guy like Steve Williams, you know, has had tremendous success. You know, he just seems like the guy that, you know, he, he almost takes the impression like he's the one hitting the shot. He's so confident in what he's saying. You know, when I'd when I be out with Bones, you know, and talking to Phil or, you know, listening to him talk to Phil, you know, fluff, you know, when he, when he says, reads a putty, you know, I notice he looks into Jim's eyes like, hey, right edge, Jim. You know, and that's the kind of conviction that, you know, I've tried to learn over the years. In the beginning, maybe I didn't have that. And just trying to get better every day, you know. And it's hard because, you know, when you're wrong, you know, then it's hard to be convicted the next time. You know, if you're like, dude, this is right edge, and he hits it right edge, and it breaks a cup. <laughs> like, that wasn't even close. But, you know, the next time, you got to sell it again. And, and that's the difficulty in, in the job that we do is that, you know, we're like weathermen. We're not right very often. But you still get a <laughs> Tell it like you believe it, you know. Well, but t- that's why personally, when I play, I don't like people reading my putts because I, I, I'm an instinct putter, and I feel like my instincts are better than your words, you know. And if I get confused, then I want to, then I'll ask for help. And I think sometimes guys on the PGA Tour ask for way too much help. You know, it's like here you got Joe King can shoot 75 on any given day, and you, you can shoot 65, and you're asking every single shot should I hit driver. Should I tie my left shoe or my right shoe first? But that's just nerves, you know. So being able to recognize when the pro really does need help and whenever he he's just nervous and not trusting himself, you know. And so that's a, that's a skill as well. It's like poker, right? You, you know, they're not going to tell you that they're nervous or doubtful, but if you can pick up on it and you can be like, dude, you know, sometimes I told Bubba, listen, I'm not reading another putt today because you're a great putter. You know, why are you asking me on every single putt? Stop it. You know what you're doing. And then that gives them the confidence to remember, like, yeah, I got my name in my bag, and I've won, you know, 13 times. Or, yeah, you're right, I am good at this game. You know, versus if I'm in there reading every putt and then he's doubtful, he might he might take every single one of my reads, and, and my speed is different than his speed, and he doesn't make any putts that day. So, you know, it's such an interesting dynamic 
what it takes to be successful, and it's constantly changing daily. You know, you have to adapt. This is Ted Scott. He's a professional caddy working for Bubba Watson currently. And, Ted, one of the things that um, I noticed when I was playing is that I felt like I was a better putter than my caddy, all of my caddies. And you talked about instinct, and there's a million ways to make putts, and, and I agree with you. You know, um, I, I would tell my caddies all the time, you have – just tell me what you think. Don't say maybe. Don't sound – you know, and it's it's much, much more difficult than you would imagine. Yeah, it is, you know, because you're, you realize that your words have influence on their decision-making. And, you know, when, when you're caddying, you know, you're basically a consultant. Um, the best analogy I ever heard was um, – from John McLaren, who, when he worked with Luke Donald, uh, he had a great analogy. I thought this was brilliant. So what a great way to approach it. He said, he said, imagine that you and I are trying to buy a stock, you know, or, or I have a stock that I want you to buy and you have a stock that you want to buy. And so I'm going to sell you on my stock and you're going to sell me on your stock. And then you make the best decision possible based on which one you think is a better, is a better buy, you know, at this current point in time. So whether you're picking a club or a target or a putt, you know, it's it's really you have to take the emotion out of it and decide. Just just listen to the information, and then listen to your own information and decide which one of those sounds more, more likely to produce the results that we desire. And I think if you can do that, that's when you're really going to start doing your best. You know, um, and part of that is I believe you know if there's any PGA Tour pros listening, is like giving your caddy freedom, just like you would, to speak freely and be and to be wrong and just say, listen, I'm paying you for your information for your counseling for your you know your ability to to assess the situation and, and give thought and so I don't ever want you to, to worry about whether you're right or wrong just tell me what you're thinking and that's okay you know that was one of the things that uh, that Webb told me that that week and you know that's that's very reassuring you know and that's something that Bubba's worked hard on in the beginning you know words would mess him up and now he's like buddy just say what you're thinking you know and that, and that just helps you know it helps you as a caddy to know, hey, it's okay if I'm wrong because we are wrong. You know, I think I think pros would make a lot more putts if they could hit the putt the second time. More often than not, from 10 feet in, if they miss a putt, it's more misread than it is, you know, line because the greens are so good and the pros are so good at hitting it on their line. You know, it's just knowing, hey, is this putt going to break, you know, two cups, one cup, a ball? And when, when you know that already, it's pretty easy to make a putt, you know. But when you don't know it, you know, think of a scramble. You go play a scramble you're the fourth guy, Jay, because you're the best player in the scramble that you, you get invited to. You all read the putt. Rarely does the first guy even come close. You know, everybody's like, I like a cup, you know, and that guy puts it a cup and doesn't make it. The next three guys have a really good chance because now they know what it actually does. Yeah, without a doubt, Ted, and speed, and, and, and there's just so many. Some guys like the, you know, Ben Crenshaw, one of the best putters of all time, like the ball to fall into the hole in its last roll. Other guys, you know, are super aggressive and love that. You know, Willie Wood likes to hammer the ball and have it jump, you know, hit the back edge of the cup before it hits the bottom. So lots to take in uh, to account there. Ted, um, talk a little bit about how much better life on tour has become for caddies in the last 15 years. Man, it's a whole different world. You know, I can remember Memphis in particular when I first started. Memphis was one of the first few tournaments I caddied in. Uh, in the first few months, and uh, I remember, you know, Grant saying, hey, I'm just going to go inside and, and grab something to eat real quick, and, you know, I'm looking around, I think Pronto Pups was the only thing available, you know, <laughs> um, that was available to us to go purchase, and uh, there was nowhere to hide from the sun, and uh, it was, you know, 100 degrees, and, and just you're out there sweating, and, you know, no, no food provided, nowhere to hide from the sun, parking was terrible, you know, that kind of thing, so, uh, I also remember one time at at, uh, at Reno back in the, the first few years where, you know, I really had to use the bathroom. I just had to go pee, and, and there was no portalettes anywhere near the range, anything. There's no outside, you know, nothing close. So I just I went to the to the pro shop, and uh, I'm at the golf the golf clubhouse, and and security wouldn't let me in. I said, look, I just got to pee, man. I'm a caddy, like you know. I, there's no look around. Show me a place to go. I'll go. I just need to go. You want me to pee on a bush? You know, and he's like, I'm sorry, I can't let you in here. And, you know, I just I just said, screw it, I'm going in. And, you know, they're not going to touch me. And I went in, you know, and broke the rules. But, but the bathroom was 10 feet behind the guy. He's just doing his job. And that was kind of a, you know, very frustrating moment. It's like, I got to go pee, man. That's all I need. I'm not trying to steal anything. 
but now you know it's way we're way more included. You know, Jay Monahan is is a, a hero of many caddies. You know, he's really since he's taken over has been much more generous. Um, and many of the tournaments have really reached out to us on, hey, what can we do better for you? You know, in the, in the years. And so now, I mean, you know, we're getting spoiled. You know, sometimes it's, it's like, you know, I think we take stuff for granted. It's getting to be so good for us at many of these tournaments. And they're going above and beyond what, what we've ever, you know, dreamed of and expected. And, and uh, you know, I, I think ultimately you just have to have a grateful attitude no matter where you are in life. You know, I was very thankful to be on the PGA Tour caddy and when there was no portalette and there was no food. And I've never been one to complain. You know, you won't ever hear me say, I can't believe where parking is or whatever because, you know, I always think of there's always someone less fortunate than you no matter where you are in life. And so just be thankful of where you are today and be grateful for what you do have, not what you don't have. And, and uh, but, you know, it is it is fun and it is comforting to see that, that they do care and they are trying to improve our conditions. And it's, it's not even the same, you know, the same world that we live in now. I mean, it's, it's so different as caddies, you know, how much better we're, we're, our our lifestyle is on the PGA Tour. It's pretty awesome. You have some phenomenal stuff out on social media. I love the stuff that you do um, for the travelers up in Hartford. Um, tell our listeners how uh, they can get in touch with you, watch you, follow you on social media, look at some of your cool videos out there. Um, just let us know. Yeah, my handle for Twitter and Instagram is at J as in John, J Ted Scott. And, um, you know, I kind of have, I kind of have a few goals with my uh, social media account. Number one is to be a positive voice. There's so much negativity, um, and hate on social media. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of let people know if you're going to say something negative on Instagram, I'll delete it. And if you're going to say it on Twitter, then you know I'm just going to block you because I'm not into that kind of stuff. I'd rather try to change the world by loving on people, even people that are difficult to love on. So that's kind of my first uh, thing. Second is, you know, when I get to spend time with the best players, coaches, caddies um, in the world, you know, it's a great way to learn. And I've been fortunate to soak in that information, so I'd like to give some of that inf- information to those that don't have access to it. So I do teach golf. And, you know, I, I don't coach a lot because of the time restraints, and, you know, I want to give that time to my family. But, you know, one of the reasons why I love to teach is just to give back and try to, you know, share what – what I've learned and my golf game has improved a lot. My knowledge, my understanding of things just due to having access to all this information, you know, and, and how to, how to apply it and whatnot. So it's, it's been a lot of fun and, you know, I really do enjoy uh, interacting with people. I love people. So it's a, it's a great way to, to meet people and share things with people and learn from people. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really interesting. Some of the people that I've come in contact with and, and kind of network and introduce, you know, one person to another, they're like, how'd you find this guy? I'm like, you won't believe it, but social media, you know. Um, recently, I came in contact with a guy named Dr. Mark Bull. He's a, a 3D guy. And I went over and had a lesson with him in Orlando. He just moved here from the States. I really encourage anyone listening that wants to get better at their golf game to go see this man. By far the best lesson I've ever had. He, he said very little, but but explained a lot. I know that's really strange. I don't even know how to explain that. But uh, a couple of my friends were there. World on Drive champion Eddie Fernandez and J.B. Holmes caddy Brandon Parsons, and they were both floored as I was with how he went about helping me. So, you know, that's the cool part about social media is, is that's how I found him, and I'm open to share his story and, uh, and get more people to go see him and, and learn more about that. So, anyway, that's a long answer, but um, I enjoy it, and thanks for giving me that opportunity. Oh, no, absolutely. And you got to tell us a little bit about um, – <laughs> riding in the golf cart um, out in Hartford, folks, you've got to pull this stuff up on YouTube, but um, you're, you're basically getting interviewed um, and you guys are driving the range picker. Yeah, it was a great idea by the travelers, you know, and it was a lot of fun just driving around the range picker and asking questions like what a, what a fun place to, uh, to uh, do an interview. And, um, you know, last time I think I drove one of those, I was 16 years old when I was working in the summer at a golf course. So it was fun to get back in the saddle. And then uh, we had a, a point where the crew, the, the camera crew, was, was uh, trying to hit us. And, you know, none of them were really that good. There was one guy that was decent. And so we were, I was driving within probably 50 feet of him. But the golf cart was pretty peppy, so I would get it going and then slam on the brakes. 
out there swinging. It was just hilarious. You know, none of them could hit it. So that was fun. You know, just to, to get an opportunity to do that. It was, it was a really cool idea. A fun day. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff I love. I, I like to enjoy life and, and share information. And that's, you know, got to do two of those things with a great company and a great tournament and travelers. Okay, that's going to do it for the back nine, and that's going to do it for the uh, Ted Scott interview. Uh, don't go away. Pearly and I will break that down for you on the 19th hole. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. This is Dan McLaughlin, TV voice of the Cardinals. St. Louis is one of the best sports cities in the country. We also have a tremendous history of supporting professional golf. We're excited to bring golf back to St. Louis with the inaugural Ascension Charity Classic, September 28th through October 4th at Norwood Hills Country Club. Don't miss your chance to see PGA Tour champion legends. Proceeds will benefit St. Louis area youth, including the Urban League, Mary Grove, the Boys and Girls Club, and more. For tickets and sponsorship information, head to ascensioncharityclassic.com. For the last 48 years, Pro-Am Golf has been providing outstanding customer service to the greater St. Louis area for all of our golf needs. From top-of-the-line equipment to full-service club repair lessons and instructions. They now have their own retail outlet as well as state-of-the-art computers, cameras, and things to customize all of your personal club fitting needs. Pro-Am Golf carries all the major brands. They also have the latest fashion trends from Puma Golf. Whatever your needs, Pro-Am Golf will meet them and have the best customer service in the industry. Call us at 314-781-7775 or find us at ProAmGolfUSA.com. USA Mortgage is doing it again. Joe Schieser and his staff have lowered rates again this month, and they will waive closing costs. If you want to refinance to get cash out, lower your rate, shorten your term, or eliminate that costly, unnecessary mortgage insurance. If you are purchasing a property, they can issue a pre-approval letter within minutes. They are the largest mortgage company in the state of Missouri, and their volume allows them to quote the lowest rates. Don't waste your time with the national online brokers. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and operated right here in St. Louis. Joe Schieser has closed over $500 million in loans in nearly 30 years in the business and over $2 million alone to Delsings. I want to thank Donahue Painting and Refinishing for supporting the show. When I was out playing golf, in my mind, I would see a picture that I wanted, and I'd try to hit the shot the way it was painted in my mind. The way you see your home is what Donahue Painting and Refinishing can make your home look like. Grab your friends, a cold one, and pull up a chair. We're on to the 19th hole on golf with Jay Delsing. The 19th hole is brought to you by Sniper Brand Golf. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I got Pearly May with me, and we are in the 19th hole. Um, okay, so Ted Scott. Man, I had so much fun. I, I said to him, I've got to cut this off, man. I could literally talk to you for three hours. I thought it's the best interview you've ever done. He may have been the best subject you've been able ever able to interview. I thought he was fascinating. The whole thing that he was a world champion or whatever it was as a foosball, foosball guy. yeah. You know, to me, that struck me as something. It doesn't matter. If you're the best in the world at something, I don't think I care what it is. It's saying something that you're the best at something. Not that it matters, right? but it matters that you've accomplished that degree of something. Well, it also tells you what this guy's like. He's like he's watching people play football, yeah. and he asks how to, to, to pick it up, and it's kind of, you know, like, oh, okay, I can— Take a stab at that, and he winds up being a world champion. That's and it's easy to say, "Hey, I'm going to go and hang around the people that do it best, so I can learn more." And we all have heard that before. It takes a certain courage and a certain person to actually do it. And he's that guy. Whether it was it was his golf game or foosball, whatever. I love that. That's there's a certain vulnerability, a certain level of courage that takes. And, and he did it. Uh, I, I can't wait to get to talking about some of the parts where. His communication with Bubba, and and then he talked about the other guys he caddied for. It's huge. It really made me think of something when I caddied for you. But anyway, take this wherever you want to take it. I'll no, try that's to work fine. That no, that's. I mean, what what my takeaway from it was: these relationships, these player caddy relationships, are so much more delicate than people even know. And it's really delicate because we players are <laughs> out of our minds out there. You know, with the. With just the stress of playing, and there's so much on the line, and it's usually you know one guy gets the win, and that's it uh, each week. And um, uh, Ted has done um, you know just some some incredible things, and I mean he's he's so he said to me he goes look I I said I see you all over social media, and he goes anybody that's hating 
I I just unfollow them immediately. Mm. I did, I click them off of my thing. Mm. I guess there's a way to do that, and I don't do. And and, and he said, I'm only about spreading the good, and I want to you know um, tell the fun stories and tell everybody how uh, you know how fortunate I am. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah. he said a couple things relative to that. I think it's it, I think it's awesome. Yeah, you can see kind of how he fits in the Bubba world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he does. And Bubba's an, um, an first of all, Bubba does some incredibly great things, you know, with with uh, with charity and with donations, mm. with his families and things like that. He's just quirky, you know, and, and you know, there's been talk, you know, like you saw trees were talking to him or, th- you know, just some odd things like that. But hell, if 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 everybody held me accountable to some of the things I said on the golf course at certain moments, I'd be, like, locked up. Well, yeah, and he might just say more things that a lot of us wouldn't yeah, say. Not yeah. that I would treat dogs to me, but there's certain <laughs> things I'm not going to throw it out there, and he seems to put it out there. Yeah, right. So tell me well, tell me a couple of the uh, well, he kept talking. He, well, he kept talking about putting and, you know, giving his opinion. And the fine line between, you know, you don't want to sound wishy-washy, that kind of stuff. And I started thinking, I don't think I ever had that problem off the green. What should we hit from the tee, Pearly? Is it a six or a seven iron? I don't think I ever had a problem being very decisive, very clear with my opinion, right or wrong. Yeah. I, I, I could live with that. But I struggled out of the greens. Yep. I absolutely struggled I because I of, like you said, speed. There's a lot of different things. And I never found a comfortable way to do it. I, I just didn't. And I can remember I would read it or whatever the case is, but it it just didn't fit like the rest of the round would for me, even the prep, even the talk afterwards. That was always comfortable. Having confrontation with you, be having a tough conversation, being straight with you, something about being on the greens really made it hard. Well, John, we both know, remember when you were a kid and you're putting and there's dew all over the greens and you, you knock you know, a putt in three different lines? Yeah, there's so many different ways to do that, and the the problem is when that the problem the challenge for us was, I knew you wanted it every bit yeah. as much for me as no I question. did, no and question. when it didn't go right, you know, you're always looking for some. Yeah, you cut it when yeah. it didn't go right. Yeah, That's what I, 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 I pulled it. I was trying to blame Pearly, and Pearly was blaming me. And the next thing you know, we were three holes down. And I can't believe it broke know, the other way. Well, you I cut know, the daylights uh, out of the dang thing. I, Do you I want know. me to change that ball out? Oh my gosh, we had some we had some very interesting <laughs> conversations. But the one thing that we did have at the end of the day, the the problem for me was, I would just be so into it, you know, that I, I had no real. Uh, rationale until, you know, maybe an hour after I played. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, John, I, I didn't hit that putt well. It, it came off the toe of the putter, but at the time I was, you know, I was just amped up. I wanted it to go in. Yeah. And so um, uh, we... <laughs> plus, plus, to your point, when you're feeling it, you know, to me it was so much more where I think when I did have any level of comfort relative to putting, it would be much more about, hey, trust it, follow your routine, those types of positive things. And and for the most part, I kind of said to myself, I want to stay away from the whole line thing because it's not, as you said, depending on how hard you hit it, how you're feeling it, what the strokes doing that day, etc., it's too hard. Now, I would also say later in the career – when you really came up with a putting method that you stuck with to this day, it was easier. No, there's no doubt. Because you had a, there's no a doubt. far more consistent, pure roll. Yeah, well, when you're hitting the ball squarely, the yeah. ball's not going to break nearly as much as when you're swipe, swiping across it and cutting it and scooping Well, what do you would say? How's this going to break, Pearly? I wouldn't say, are you going to cut it or hook it? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it just depends on what stroke you use. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, don't use the one you use on the last hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, um, man, that's gonna wrap up another show. Um, man, we could talk. We gotta, we gotta revisit this stuff. Yeah, because the stuff that we're talking about on the greens is is gold. It is just, oh my gosh, there's so could, many stories you know, on that. We could get a couple bottles of wine, and oh man, we could go some places with that. But uh, that's for another show. Thanks for being with me, Pearl. That was a blast, Jay. Thank you. Me, thanks so much for um, hooking us up, keeping us on time, and and doing our thing. It's golf with Jay Delsing. Hit him straight, St. Louis. That was golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. 
Tune in next Sunday for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime, you can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.